Blog Talk Radio. Eric, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Good, good. Greetings. Uh, this is uh, Hubert Pipersberg coming to you live and direct from Los Angeles, California, um, on this beautiful Sunday in the morning. I'd like to greet everyone in the name of peace, peace, which is a universal greetings of all the prophets. They all said peace, and we're still looking for that peace that the world can't seem to give. I'm really excited this morning because I have the pleasure of... Um, of introducing a very, very important gentleman in the history of our country. And one of the things that, I, that, I, that, that people need to understand is that we are all Belizeans. At the end of the day, we cannot let party politics divide us along petty partisan lines. And we need to look, take a comprehensive look and understand a contemporary interpretation of where we are as a people and where we are heading. Belize has lots of problems. And um, we can't just sit back and just uh, allow ourselves to be, to be lulled into a false sense of security. We need each and every person, every man, woman, and child. There's no such thing as a useless Belizean or somebody who's not important to the overall development of our country. Uh, Brother Derek Aikman played an integral part in the development of the country. He was one of the first gentlemen, 20 years old, very young, that, you know, to, 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 to throw his name in, to throw his, his name in the hat, if you will, or throw his name into, the, into that specter of belief by the politics to try to make a difference. He, de- he defeated an icon for many of us, George Cato Price, unprecedented in 1984. And that's not really... To me, that's not the reason why that should, you know, be of any significance for this um, brother here that I'm about to introduce to you uh, when we will share our discussion. What's instructive is because it's the transformation that has occurred with with Derek to go from a political life to a very public life to to a spiritual awakening and to one to a spiritual journey. For me, those things are very important. Because it says that as a human being, we can grow, we can develop, we can become better than who we think that we are, and we can become better than who we think that we should be. So that, to me, is what is instructive about Derek. He has embarked on this, he's on this journey to be ordained as a minister. And, and, you know, like I said, in Belize, bear in mind this was a young brother. He made his mistakes, but then show me someone who hasn't. Show me somebody who has not made, uh, who has not miscalculated, somebody who has not done something, you know, uh, that did that, that that you can look back and say, oh man, if he had only done this different, this would have occurred. Bear in mind that Derek Aikman, 
if you know, and, and God knows best. Because I'm not going to question, you know, or have any regrets about anything. But could you imagine? Just let's imagine this for a second. Yeah. This gentleman could actually have been the leader of that country. He had that kind of credibility. He had that kind of that kind of what you say, chutzpah. I mean, he had the potential to to have becoming to have become the leader of the country. You know, within the United Democratic Party. So um, let's not be dismissive of that. Yes. Things occurred in his life that maybe might have derailed it, that might have caused him to to take a different path. But then, that's the path that God chose for him. Who am I to say otherwise? Who am I to say um, to say, oh, Derek, you know, man, if I only, if you only knew, you know, we all have, you know, men plan. There's, a, there's an old saying that says, men plan, but and God plan. But surely, God is the best planner. And I can tell you by talking to Derek, he has no regrets because I know. Deep down in his heart, soul, and mind, he knows that God has chosen a path for him, and this is the path that he wants to travel on. So, without further, without further um, ado, I'd like to introduce uh, former minister um, Derek Eichmann, now soon to be ordained minister. And you know the old saying they say that fish come from the bottom of my belly and I tell you, well, you know the saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know the saying. Let you guys do it. <laughs> Derek, what do you do this morning, brother? <laughs> Hubert, my brother, this is, I, 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 I listen to you humbled by your words, but I couldn't articulate better the, the, the latter part of what you shared. Um, and I just want to jump in before I even say an official good morning, which I will do, just to echo the sentiments that, that, that you just expressed. If there is one thing I can stand here today with pride and resolve is that I have no regrets over whatever path my life has, has taken. And, this, and, and you said it, this, the simple reason being, my life is not my own. <laughs> my life is the life that was predestined for me before I was formed in my mother's womb 54 years ago. And, and, and the Bible tells you that. Before we are even formed in our mother's womb, God has predestined each and every one of our lives. This is, of course, if, if, if we believe in, in the God that, that I know we all, we all believe in. Um, and, and so one gets to learn very quickly that all we need to do is just to be in God's will for our lives. We can't dictate the path. The path has been dictated before we were born. And so we have just got to roll with the punches and and so so re- regret is, is is meaningless because we we could not have changed anything if we had tried. God's will for our lives would have prevailed over any attempts by us to do otherwise anyway. And I've had to I have not always known this. I've had to come to learn this through maturing in Him to just accept His will. You can doesn't even make sense to question it. Just accept it and by faith receive it and know that all things, he at the end of the day will work out all things, not just some things, but all things for good for those of us who love and trust him. And once we hold on to that faith, which is what I've held on to all my life, you know, (laughs) he's in control. I'm just a vessel. He's using me. I'm just a vessel. So having said that, I just want to say such a pleasant good morning to everybody in Belize, in the diaspora, wherever you are in in, in the world. I maintain that 
believes is the most blessed nation on earth by God. I, I really, really believe that this little country tucked away in Central America, but yet is 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 Caribbean um, that links North and South and Central America that has about seven or eight distinct different ethnic groups in this one little spot that has the world's largest living barrier reef that has the most beautiful flora and fauna that I have ever experienced anywhere. My brother, we have got people that are the greatest people on earth. We, we have a lot, like everybody, that we must correct. Uh, and, and, and unless we come to terms with those things that we must correct, you know, things will continue to slip down a slippery slope as we see it happening each day in Belize. But we as a people, I am convinced that if we can only get our collective and, of course, individual acts together, and none of us has it together. I certainly don't have it together, trust me. But if we can at least agree that we will come together and do everything that is humanly possible to get our act together as the Belizean people, my brother, this nation can be the beacon in the world of a Christian nation that has Christ as its head. And you will see, the Bible tells you, if, we, if the people humble themselves and pray, God will heal their land. And I am here today believing that, that God can heal us, God can restore us. And I am excited to, be, to, 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 to take a step to become a part to play a part in that national healing of beliefs and to do whatever God directs me to do to help this nation along. Mm -hmm. What I may not have been able to achieve from a political perspective, God has said to me, Derek, this is the path that all things can be achieved through. And I'm just being obedient, and so I'm happy to have this discussion this morning. Thank you all very much. Good morning to all. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, you know, Derek, one of the things that um, you said something that's very poignant. But before I get to that, I just want to, you know, I just want my listeners to know you're, you're listening to um, to Mr. Derek Eichmann, who is a former minister in Belize government. Um, he was, you know, at some point he was uh, many for many of, you know, for many, uh, you know, and this is you have to be. He was a brilliant, shining political star in recent memory, you know, and you know to see where he has come now. You know the fact that he's not in politics anymore, but still has that vibrancy, and he still has something to contribute. And I think that's what's important as a lot of us, because we only want to see things in political terms. Not because he's not involved in politics means that he doesn't have something to give back to our country. That being said, so yeah, you know, following along the lines that you just said, is, are you suggesting that then spirituality is an integral part of where why Belize has fallen to where it is now? Well. I, I believe if, if we take an honest look at each and every one of our individual lives, I mean, the times that I believe I have encountered some, some real difficulty, if I'm being honest, are the times when I, for whatever reason, chose to not pay a keen or give God a keen ear to my life and may have thought, well, guess what, I... This might be what he wants, but I think that I know better, and I think I, I, I can do this better than God can do it. And those are the times when I believe I've run into some serious problems. And if we're honest ourselves, 
that probably speaks to all of us. And I mm-hmm. think the thing is, I wrote uh, something I posted, as I told you, he wrote, I am not a Facebook, I don't understand Facebook, so I, <laughs> I hope I am speaking the right language, Facebook language, but I know I posted something that's one of the first things I posted recently in this new, in this new phase of, of, of my life. Mm-hmm. I remember making a comment in whatever I wrote about the fact that even though I may have had political differences with George Price's strategy for developing Belize, mm-hmm. um, one of the things, if I'm honest, that I must publicly know, I probably didn't say it before that article, but I definitely want to say, go on record and saying it now, that whatever may have been Mr. Price's um, shortcomings in, in, in my estimation, one of the things that I've always respected him for is for his Christian stand and his unashamed and unapologetic uh, uh, presentation as, as, as a leader who subjected himself to God. I mean, he, he went to church every morning, I think 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, at, at Holy Redeemer, um, we know that he was uh, supposedly studying to, to become a, a Catholic priest, and then mm-hmm. he changed his mind. Indeed, and mm-hmm. and, and, and he always he always demonstrated that humility that Christ requires of us who serve Him. And and I want to go on record as having respected that about Mr. Christ. And and, and I think he brought at least that there was the symbolism that believes had a leader who in his private life and to a great extent from what he, he used to say in his public life, he honored God as the head of, of, of his own life and, and, and of Belize. I mean, he came up with the national prayer that you still hear on Radio Belize. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, these are symbolic things of a, of a leader of a nation that cannot be just discarded. And I think, I think a lot of Belize's good came from that aspect of Mr. Price's leadership where he was unashamedly a confessed Christian and professed to follow Christ in his leadership. Yeah. I agree with not, you. Not to, not, and and not, to, not to criticize or condemn any other leader that has followed him. But I think it is, it is fair to say, I, I, I mean, I'm not making this up, I'm not having an illusion, I think it's clear to say that since Mr. Price, we have not had another leader that has demonstrated this this resolved a Christian path and, and acknowledging God in, in their public life and their public stand. Um, and so I think that that in itself has not helped Belize to, to stay a certain course. And, and what we've observed over time is that we, again, if we're being honest, we, we're living it in Belize. I mean, things are going from bad to worse. Now, I'm not in Belize right now, and I have not been for several months because of a medical situation, mm-hmm. but I keep hearing, and a brother posted something on Facebook just two days ago about some recent spate of events, again, that have started, about you know, a young girl being dead in the cemetery, just graduated mm-hmm. valedictorian from, from Westwick College, mm-hmm. and supposedly being slain by another teenager. I, I mean, you know, when you look at what's happening in Belize for some time now, I mean, if people want to be honest, man, it's almost as though there is some sort of a demonic or satanic spirit of evil that is hovering around this country that has us choking 
choking. I, I can't break away from it. And I am telling you, clearly, clearly police actions has failed. Mm-hmm. Clearly, political strategies have failed. I mean, spending money in, 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 in paying guns and paying them to, 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 to not kill obviously has failed. I mean, everything continues to fail. But the one thing that nobody has been prepared to take the bull by the horn and say, guess what, let us humble ourselves, all of us, the PUP, UDB, Anglicans, Methodists, Catholics, Forget all the labels for, for a moment and let us just come under the one umbrella, just one umbrella, as Belizeans subjecting our nation unto God and asking God, help come and save us. Because we need a savior right now. Belize needs saving. Uh-huh. And man, it's obvious that man is impotent mm-hmm. to do it. Uh-huh. And until uh-huh. we realize then, we have got to go to the only source that can save us and rescue us and say, God, come and take charge. I will relinquish whatever authority I believe I, I have had that has not saved. I will relinquish that authority to you, and I'm going to invite a national, a coming together of a nation. We're going to drop the red, we're going to drop the blue, we're going to drop the Anglican, the Catholic, we're going to drop it, and we're going to come together as just children. All on the one roof. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And if we shed those labels and we truly give meaning to the word unity and, and, and coming together in spirit and in soul, my brother, I know because, and it's not me saying this, he has said it in his word, if my people will come together, humble themselves and pray. You never say if UDP do it. Mm-hmm. You never say if PUP do it. He never say if the Catholics do it, if the Methodists or the Evangelicals do it. He says, my people. My people means every single last one of us, whether you're living in California, New York, Miami, but as long as you are Belizean, if we come together and humble ourselves and pray, God has told us in his word, he will. He will. You know, might. You know, me. You know what? Consider it. He has, and God is not a God that can lie. So if he tells us he will heal it if you do this, then we already know the answer. We already know where the victory lies. But in our arrogance and in our puffed up state of, of thinking that, that we have the power because of the offices that we hold, we are losing, we, we, we are cheating ourselves of his promise. Because we are not doing the one thing that he has said to do. Let me ask you this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need to cut you short, but... Oh, no, no, no. no, 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 no. Need, okay. You need to cut me, and I'll cut when I get started. I don't know when to stop. So well, I know you're always, you know, you're a very, very bold brother, you know. Cut no. me anytime. I'm giving you permission to cut me, because I will go on once I get started. So please, I am asking you to cut me. All right, my brother. All right. So you, you know, if I can look at your life, then... Okay. And I don't want to like say I'm well. We're not here to focus on your life per se, but you know, you you have two. You, I, I, one can argue that you know you have two chapters in your life. You have a, the first chapter where you were involved politically in that country. No, the second chapter of your life, you involved on a spiritual journey. Let's focus on say maybe the first chapter. Then we can look. You know, we can okay. tie into the second chapter. But you know, we you know you you understand my point. Exactly. I, totally. And I'm, I'm 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 and I appreciate that opportunity to make the bridge because. Um, he, 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 he worried. Let me tell you. 
anybody who has known me in Belize, from, from a child, from a child, mm-hmm. anybody who has really known me, known, will know that this aspect of my life, this spiritual side, has been there from I was born, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it will always be, but it just know it's manifesting itself now in what well, you're no, doing. It, no, 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 no. Let me let me dare to. Let okay, me well, to okay. Don't don't let me. Okay, go ahead. Let me dare to, let me tell you. One of the things that I had to I ran into difficulty all the time with with my colleagues, and and I will say this openly, it's the truth. You ask Manuel Esquivel, and I respect. I think he was a brilliant leader. Um. You, you ask any colleague in the cabinet how many times I used to ask, could we bring a priest or a pastor or somebody to come pray with us before we have cabinet meetings? And what was I always told? Derek, you need to understand, this is politics. This is not church. You have to leave church. Church and politics not me. That's what they would tell you. Oh, yes. Every, mm-hmm. time, every time I would speak at a party political meeting now, and I get up there and I would say, you know, we have to subject ourselves to God, God at the head of this country, Da, 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 da. The, minute, the minute I come down off the rostrum, I'm rebuked. When you are learned that this is not a church, this is not politics, you don't mix church and politics. Let me tell you, I have a very dear friend in Belize that I met at Sixth Form. This guy could not be a better friend. His name is Joseph Hoy. He is a mastermind of political analogy and advice. So Joe was my political and continues to be. Whenever I need to bulk something up, I go to Joseph Hoy. And Joseph will tell you, I don't know if he's listening this morning, but I say this because it's the truth. And so he will, he will understand. Joseph will tell you the amount of times when he sits to counsel me. He would reprimand me. Derek, when will you learn? The, you, you know what are your problem? You like talk about God too much. You always bring up God. Derek, people now want to mix God with politics. You have to lift God out of this. And every time Joseph told me that, I would say to him, Joseph, oh, my brother, you are so wrong. You have to have God in the middle of politics if politics is going to be right. But, you see, his, his theory or his philosophy, and I have to, if that's how he feels, trust I've had to respect him. But he does not understand my philosophy. My thing is, we always say politics dirty. Um, anybody with decent, not going to politics. Listen, I've had church folk in Belize. I know that they treat me with a certain degree of, 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 of what's the word, skepticism. Mm-hmm. Because, because in their... In their, minds, mm-hmm. in their minds, you, you can't be serious about this church thing where you defend. Because you in a politics. If you, if you may really defend church, then you're going to drop politics. <laughs> and I'm, I kept telling them, but listen, if we want good government, if we want good folk in government, you need to get some Christians in the cabinet who will be guided by biblical principles and therefore bring the nation that they govern under biblical leadership. You know, I, but so I don't understand how church, and that's what I like about the United States. You know, when I sit and I listen to these gospel stations that I love to listen to over here, listen, man, every minute they're chirping in, uh, register to vote. Is that the church to tell you this here in the states? You know, register to vote. This this bill that's that's before the, the, their Congress or, or their Senate or, or whatever, make sure your voices are heard. But what do you say to those though, Derek, who tells you that? I mean, you know, they're always going to be um, detractors or people who, uh, you know, we still go say, man, uh, you know, they tell you um, that as a nation, you know, we, you know, you know, we need to just focus on just the politics and just, you know, stay away from that. I know they tell you that, but I'm saying, what do you say to those people who insist that the only way forward is to devoid of any, 
because you know uh, I'm let me give a context background to okay. I want people okay. I want okay. You know the rising the policy, the um you know the, the battle we have you know the battle with for to repeal S fifty three Unibomb, you know, with Unibomb versus you know yes, yes. you know yes. what is you know, given that how do you reconcile those things there with your with your faith? Let me let me let me tell you. One of the things if people I always look back to when Jesus was on earth. And I will use a typical, well, not a typical, but I, I will use an example that I use a lot to address scenarios like you have just raised. I, the, the God that I have learned as I grew up as a child in Sunday school and at Grace Chapel under Gloria Edwards, who I want to take a second to just pick up this this lady. She's from originally from Jamaica, mm-hmm. but went to Grace Chapel when she was a young woman. I went through that school under her principalship. My three children went through that school under her. I, this woman had a lot to do with the Christian foundation that I I that was given to me as as a child growing growing up. And one of the things that they always showed us is that God by his life, demonstrated that he was not a God to cast away anybody. The, the, the people that were on the earth at the time were so self-righteous that they were busy making moral judgments and trying to box God in a corner to say, well, who will you heal or who, who will you not heal and who will you associate with and who will you not associate? And they were always trying to trap him. And every step of the way, God revealed by his actions, no, not just his words, but by his actions, that God always reached out to the, to, to the, the desolate and, and the worst of all people, at least in man's eyes. Those were the people that God rallied around. Those were people that he was on earth to save. So I, am, I personally prefer to be cautious from ever acting unlike God because if God didn't discriminate and God didn't condemn, then I don't want to be unlike God and begin to condemn and discriminate because I don't believe I have that right or that authority. God is the only one and, and he chose not to condemn. In fact, he said there is no condemnation now. In Christ, there is no condemnation. So, uh-huh. But let me just use the one example. If we believe that the, 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 the very basis of our Christian faith, whatever denomination we may be, or whatever church, if we believe that the, that, that the central focus of Christianity is found in the, in the act of Jesus being crucified and Jesus having risen from the dead, I mean, that's really the source of our faith. We, 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 we believe that there's another life because God came on earth and sent his son to die and raise from the dead to show us that that's the same thing we can pin our faith in life to. No. So if we believe that the risen Christ is a a critical component of the Christian faith, who did Jesus Christ, on the morning he rose out of that grave, who did Jesus out of all the disciples, the kings, the lords, the, the, everybody that existed on earth at that time. Who did the risen Christ? Now, this is going to be this, that the form that he, he had just risen out of the grave, 
this is going to be the, the, the nucleus of our historical faith. Who did Jesus choose to first appear to? The first person Jesus chose to appear to on earth. You know who it was? Mary Magdalene. Uh-huh. The prostitute out of whom seven demons had just been driven out of her. Do you see? I see your analogy. So you're saying, okay, okay and I don't want to put words in your mouth here. Yes. <laughs> so the analogy is, okay, you're saying that, given that analogy based on that, that, you know, that spiritual analogy, you're saying that, well, that, that in those of the, the people who are agitating to exclude, to exclude others from Belize's reality, whether it be, you know, whether to enjoy all their rights, you're saying that based on that analogy, then that, that, that's a position that you do not hold. I am saying that I, I would always, I am speaking for, I can't speak for anybody else. I am speaking for me. I am saying that I always prefer to step back whenever it comes to making righteous decisions where I will be viewed based on what I decide. I will be viewed as handing down some moral doctrine from Mount High, or whatever Mount High is, mm-hmm. where I will be, I will be um, seen, seen to be taking a stand for or against any, any people because I will always want to ask is this what Jesus did when he was on earth? Did he condemn anybody? I mean, whatever, you know, we, I'm not, I, I respect everybody's moral wrongs, you know, and everybody's moral, I, I do. All I'm saying is that for Derek Aitman, mm-hmm. I will have to, I will have to retreat, and I will have to do some serious, serious analyzing and ask God, is, am I representing you if I take this stand? Am I representing you if I take this other stand? And I will always ask God in his wisdom to work through me, to show me what is it that you want me to, 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 to identify with or not, not to identify with. But having said all that, I'm saying, because of the path that Jesus walked on earth and the path that he took, I will always tend to want to weigh on the side and if you look at the mission of my, of my ordination, that is why I chose that aspect of, of my objective, that I will be on the side of the oppressed and the downtrodden and the poor. Okay. So I will always towards the marginalized, because those are the people who Christ gravitated toward when he was on earth. He didn't choose the kings and the mighty he chose the tax collectors, the sinners. He chose the, 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 the prostitutes. He, 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 chose the, he chose the people who, who were in trouble and who needed, who needed a, a Christ. And I believe as a pastor, that's where my call comes. I, I'm, I'm here for everybody. Don't get me wrong, for everybody. But I, I, am, I will openly say that if I get a call at 12 o'clock one night from a rich man, a powerful man, and I get a call that same minute from somebody who is dying or who is hungry or who, who, who is unrecognized in society because of their debased state. My brother, let it be known from now, I, will, I won't even have a, a qualm 
as to who I will respond to first. Mm-hmm. I will respond to the debased, the downtrodden, the poor, the hungry, the, the, the homeless, the, the, the whatever, mm-hmm. without even thinking about it. So I'm not trying to judge you at all. No, I, no, 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 no. I, 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 I see your position. You're, you're I, saying... I'm trying to give you the, the, the most sincerest answer from my soul, you see, because all... I appreciate and, your honesty. And one, I, I will close with this with just one comment. I, and I'm, again, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. This is, I, I say this to me all the time, Derek. One thing you must never become as a pastor or as this um, international ambassador for Christ, you must never make the mistake, as I think a lot of people do who are in this ministry, in this calling, you must never make the mistake of becoming so heaven you are no earthly good. Mm-hmm. You understand? Because of righteousness there that we see people here. I totally agree We never make the mistake of becoming so heavenly that you are no earthly good. And, and let me put that in another frame of words. In other words, many times I've had to say to myself, well, I am so glad that pastor so-and-so or bishop so-and-so is not God because the way they hand down judgment, if they were God, I would go to hell. Mm. <laughs> if the way they hand down judgment, the way they make rules and, and, and proclaim what's moral and what's immoral and all this, man, a lot of us would go to hell. So I thank God that he is the merciful God, that he is the forgiving God, that he is the God that does not condemn. He's the God that says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But So I need to, I, as I begin this path, I am asking God, never make me slip into that position where I become so holy and righteous above my own brothers and sisters on earth mm-hmm. that I, I lose the purpose for which God has called me, mm-hmm. you see. So I will be the ones, I will be the one that you will always find moving around those that are down on the totem pole because that is where I believe the basis of my calling lies. All right, so I hope I've... I've you know, you, you, no, I mean, I think anybody who's listening, first of all, you're listening to Hubert Piversberg and Derek Aikman. He's uh, um, here in the United States on medical, getting medical attention. He's talking to us from somewhere in, in Georgia. And, uh, no, 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 North, North Greenville, North oh, Carolina. Sorry, Greenville, North Carolina, I'm sorry. Yes, Greenville. Why I think it was Atlanta? Greenville, North Carolina, he's here, <laughs> and, you know, getting medical attention. But, no, Derek, you did, I mean, I, I, I think you made it clear that, that, that you will not discriminate against anyone. And, you know, you know I, would, I could, I could, I could um, infer that you believe that, that, that everyone has rights in the league city and you don't want to take away any rights from anybody. That's basically my inference. But let's move on. Um, um, you were 20 years old, and I and I and I try to think about that. I said, this guy. I remember when I was 20, man. You know, I mean, 20 years old to be in 1984. No, 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 not no, no. This is when you were okay. 1984 was not my first election. You know, 1984 was my third election. I came back. Oh I yeah, yeah. Give us the history. I'm, you know, yeah. yeah okay. I finished. I finished my master's degree at age 20. Okay. Um, Actually, age 19. What year was that? That was 1980. Okay, 1980. Mm-hmm. Wait, let me see. I graduated high school, 75, 6 from 77, bachelor's 79, master's 80. Yes, 1980. And I finished my master's in August of 1980. Came home and ran my 
first election in that November. Was it a general 19... election or city council? No, 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 no. This was city council city election. Council. Mm-hmm. And just just as a quick history, Hubert, for those of us who are old enough, remember that in 1979 is when everybody thought that the UDP yes. for the first time would have defeated win. the PUP mm-hmm. and become the government. And so, but that didn't happen. They, they lost the elections in 79. I mean, I, I came home. I was already studying, mm-hmm. and I came home to work. I remember when you came home, because I was still there in, I believe, in 1979. Yeah, I came home. No, but I came home just for the day. I was saying just for the day mm-hmm. in 1979, the election day, mm-hmm. I came home to work for the leader of the UDP, who was Dean Lindo at the time, in Fort George. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, and I remember witnessing big man and woman, the ball at night. When the first result to come out was um, Paul Rodriguez losing to Jane B. Paul, yeah, I remember. That I, was the first I remember result that, yeah, to come Paul, out. Yeah. And you know where I was? Yeah. I was on Albert Street. How I ended up there, I don't know. I was, but you I know where I was? I was by Dips, hanging out with Walter. <laughs> That's where I was. <laughs> they, they were all said, Jane B. Paul. I mean, that was the thing, Jane B. Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I ended up. Nefaskes, yeah. who owns Channel 7, mm. was, they lived where Channel 7 is now on Albert Street. That's where they lived upstairs. How I ended up there, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I was up there. So you were 20 years old at that time anyway, though. I mean, what whole exactly. were you in? 20 no, no, it, no, no. That, that was 79, so I was just... 19. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm born, I, I'm born 59, mm-hmm. and that was 79. So that was... How much that? What old is that? Whatever age that was. That was I was still away at school. I mm-hmm. came home the next year. So it's 21... It, so my first election was not 20, it was 21. 21. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I, I came home in 1980, one year after. So I was 21. Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're right. Because I think the Constitution requires you to be 21 or to, to be able mm-hmm. to run for office. And I remember my birthday is the 15th of November. Mm-hmm. And nomination day was the 21st of November in, okay. in 1980. So I barely qualified by a week to reach 21 to run in the city council elections in that November of, of 1980. Anyway, so just to so the UDPs lost. They lost initially. Um, Paul, Paul's defeat was the first one to come over, followed by Dean Lindo in Fortran. So the leader fell. He was the second one. And they dropped like flies, one by one. This country, and, and I knew something was wrong because I flew in that morning. Then the time you still had Kansas left Miami 7 o'clock mm-hmm. the morning from Miami and get the BD 7. And when Where I were you, you were coming from, Florida, or what part of the state yeah, were you going? Yeah, I was coming. I, I went to Biscayne College, which is, was in Miami. So okay. I was coming from there. And I remember getting to the airport, man, the old little airport back then, and the customs officers, the immigration officers, and that little airport, they're like, they never care anymore. Because you know, civil servants should yeah. not be involved in politics. Man, it was, everybody was... So there was a somber mood over the whole place, huh? Time for a change. Everybody putting the victory sign with their two fingers. Man's victory was in the air. As I drove down from the airport, all the signs, and, and I know signs of hope, but it, I mean, the, the spirit, the spirit in the air that day, man, was a UDP victory, no matter how you take this thing. And you can imagine that night listening one by one by one by one to every UDP candidate falling victim to the PUP. I mean, I think it, it was an 18... Or, or 13, like 13 to 5. There were only five, 18, five, yeah, five, uh-huh. 13 seats in the house. I mean, 18 seats in the house back then. I think the PUPs won 13 seats and the UDP won, won five. five. It was uh-huh. a terrible defeat for a party uh-huh. that was... This was the heyday of Ken Tillett, man. Ken uh-huh. Tillett was one of the stars yeah. back then for the UDP. Uh-huh. Ken Tillett lost by one vote to, um, to, to, to Harry Courtney. 
Mm. You hear about that they swallowed the paper and all that. Yeah, I've heard the truth of it. I knew, (laughs) but Hubert, one thing I didn't know, I knew at 20 years old, as naive as I was at that time to politics, I knew, and I went back to Miami the very next day, the very next morning I took the flight back. And I remember Belize City was like a dead city, as though the angel of death had passed over. Not even the PUPs were out rejoicing. The place was like the death angel had to what do you over. To what do you, um, to what do you, uh, you know, ascertain that that occurred? Because well, I mean, Hubert, Hubert, well, in your political I, analysis, what I do you knew, believe happened? I knew then. I knew from that night, even before the death angel scenario the next morning, I knew from that night as I sat in Vasquez's home seeing big man and woman ball, literally ball. You hear what I'm telling you? Mm-hmm. I knew that something had to have gone wrong in that voting process. Some, in, in, in other words, the results that were coming over that radio that night did not reflect the voting. I heard about the disappearing ballots, all kind of thing, you know, the oh, yeah, magic ink, all kind of thing. But time, yeah, but time quickly, I, I wise up really, really, really fast. And, and, and quite frankly, I had the baptism of fire, so I had to wise up real fast. Mm-hmm. I, the disappearing ink and all that stuff, I, I never bought. That something was wrong, yes. But you knew something was afoot. Yeah, you, but that disappearing was, ink, that wasn't it. I, but what I proof did you have, though, Derek, that there was something that was wrong? Uh, other than well, I, didn't, I didn't have the proof. Oh, the only proof I had was that a nation that rejoiced so openly the day of the election that they were going to bring about a change that day at the polls, the fact that the very opposite thing happened, um, Hubert, told me that something was wrong with the voting process. In other words, the votes did not represent the, 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 the will of the people who voted. No. I know that may not make sense when I say, but it, I, I can, let, let me fast forward very quickly in the interest of time. So that was 1979. Mm-hmm. So 1980, I come home. I barely make it at 21 to qualify to run in that city council election. And this was an election for, let the record show, that the UDP did not want to contest. I sat upstairs of Birds at um, Playboy Club, which is where the, the headquarters was at the time for the UDP uh-huh. at King Street. And I heard leader after leader after leader in that room say, we want boycott the city council election because they teased the elections of 79. We don't want to run, we want boycott. And I could not understand that you're prepared to say that they stole the elections from you last year, but nobody has come up with the proof or the evidence or the theory, at least a theory, mm-hmm. as to how they stole it. You're the brandished vote that they teeth the election. But tell the nation how they teeth it. And if you know they teeth it, then what are you doing about about correcting the theft. Well, Derek, let me ask before you, before, well, no, that, that's, this is 1980 you're talking about, correct? This is 1980. This okay, is the 1980. council elections. You okay. had a big general defeat that, that brought the party down in a most disgraceful manner when everybody thought this was the year the government in Belize will finally not be a PUP government. Uh-huh. And at the end of the day, hell yes, it was a PUP government again. Uh-huh. No, so one year later now, this is the opposition. We are boycotting the council elections because they teeth with us and in teeth with we don't we don't give any credit the, 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 the satisfaction that we are run. And I'm saying to myself, and this young kid that just came back, 21 years old, I I I'm new now to this party and this whole politics thing. And up to that point, I, I, I could quickly tell you that 
my degree in political science and everything that I was taught was totally opposite to what I was experiencing on the ground. Trust me. Yeah, the reality and the, the theory yeah. just uh, that belief does exactly. that to you, brother. Trust me, does that to you. So, so, but let me tell you, he's dead and gone, but I will always respect him. He sat there. I don't remember what state of blindness he made. No, no, Philip. Honorable Philip Wilson. He sat in that room and didn't say a word. He listened to all the noise in the market. Uh-huh. All the noise. No run, no run. Oh, we had to run, no run, no run. And when everybody had said their piece, I couldn't say nothing. I, I had said to them, I am prepared to run as a candidate, uh-huh. but I couldn't take any position about, about where I'm boycott and all this nonsense. I was uh-huh. concerned, well, what, how did they steal it? Do you know that? How did you, they steal it? Anyway, Philip Wilson, after listening to everything, his wisdom said, you know, we represent the people's loyal opposition. The people of Belize out there are depending on us to lead them. Yes, the results of the election last year didn't come our way. I am not going to comment on if it was stolen or not stolen. All I'm here to tell you all that we have an obligation to run in this city conversation. We cannot abandon the Belizean people and leave them with no alternative at the come November and uh-huh. give, give, a, give an automatic carte blanche victory to the PUP. We cannot do that if we call ourselves the loyal opposition. And it took Mr. Golson hours and hours and hours pleading with his colleagues to get off this nonsense about boycott and run the darn election. Uh So about midnight that night, grudgingly, the decision was taken, well, we are run. Well, guess what? In retrospect, better than a boycott for true, true, true. Because... What I witnessed now, I'm 21 years, well, at that point, still 20. I turned 21 in November, the week before nomination day, barely qualified. So I'm 20 years old, and I'm looking at all these elderly leaders and statesmen and, and, and veteran politicians. We have our election. We have our campaign to run. And let me tell you something. You couldn't get half of them out of bed to go campaign. You know what so I'm the people, so, the, so you're saying the, the, the hangover from that 79 defeat was still that bad? Oh, my gosh. It was, it was not only a hangover, man. They were in a coma. Well, yeah, they, they were, were still comatose then. You know, they refused to get up out of their, their beds. You know how many times I personally went in vehicles blowing at people's doors? Why? They were kind of the to them, man. I don't feel good today. Man, so I, I say to you that... Maybe it was best that they never did run the truth because they, they didn't even make an effort to try to win the city. Oh, what, what, what was the result? How did you, as oh, a candidate, how did you do? All of us lost miserably. But I will tell you, at 20 years old, never run in my life, out of the nine people that, that ran on, on the slate, only two people pulled a little bit more than I did, and that was Philip Wilson and Manuel Escapella. I was a strong third out of the nine. But was, he, was he, Mr. Goldstone already in the... Well, he was already, He was one of the ones that won his seat in Albert. Yeah, uh, but this is city councilor. So he was allowed to hold... I mean... Oh, he also... Yeah, you... Yeah, many... I mean, all of us have held... Uh, no, but simultaneously, uh, because he was still in the house, right? I mean, wasn't he... Yeah. I mean, yes, yes, yes. But he ran. He ran. He ran. Mm-hmm. If he had... Understand this. If, if he had won, then he would have had to make a decision Between more than them. likely to step down from the second seat anyway because I don't think he would have stepped down from the national seat. Was it because they couldn't find anybody else or just the, the, whole, just, the whole aura, think, the whole thing, the specter from 79 was still so such a bad taste that people never were motivated? 
I, you're asking me why you think Mr. Goldsmith really? Why, why Mr. Gold? Who was on a ballot with you? Let me try to quickly remember. It was Rodwell Pinks, who is now dead. It was Sam Rayburn, who is alive. It was Carl Thompson, who is now dead. It is Manuel Esquivel, who is still alive. It's Philip Goldson, who is now dead. It was um, four more. There four more of us. They, was Dean Burrow on that thing or no? No, 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 no. Dean, Dean was not. Ran in eight, Dean, Dean didn't run. He ran in 83. He didn't years. run. He didn't run in eighty. So that's when he actually entered politics in eighty three. When he actually well, ran something. Put it to the council. Yeah. Um, there. I, right now, memory is. I, I, I can look it up. It. You know. I just thought you could have it up. You know. But but we all are. The PUPs PUP won handsomely. Um, it was quite frankly a foregone conclusion because talk about a half-hearted attempt. It, it it was a miserable excuse for an attempt to win an election. You know, um, okay, well, let's anyway, work on 81, okay? This, because remember, bear in mind, too, okay, you know, we... The, no, this is 80. No, no, but I'm saying let's go, to, let's go to 81 because I'm, I, I, the reason why I want to focus on 81 because that was also coincided with the independence, which was... Right, but there was no election. Talk to me about... there was no election in 81. But talk to me about the UDPs. What was the UDPs perspective on us having independence? Because I know Mr. Goldstone thought that yeah. we should have waited, get a pound of fifth from the British. What was the UDP's yeah. mindset? as far as the independence was concerned in 1980. It was, it was clear that the opposition, um, and here again, here again, not disrespecting any modern leader, but even up until his death, we all know that Mr. Golson was an icon. And so people, even though there was a, another leader of the party, when it came to issues like independence and Guatemala, so people still diverted their attention to what, Mr. Well, was not to, Derek, not to cut you short, but that was also the time when the heads of agreement. So I, I exactly. want you to, you know, you know, I want you exactly. to. But, but see, again, again, if the truth be told, the UDP weren't really the agitators of the heads of agreement and, and, and the anti-independence thing and all that in 81. You know, it was really the unions and, and, and my good friend Hubert Ellington, who at the time was a civil servant, Hubert, the trade unions, okay. Exactly, it was the know. unions. It was the unions, not the UDP, that came together to fight the heads of agreement and stuff. The UDP was not in the forefront at all, at all, at all. It was the unions and the power of the civil servants that prevailed. Because remember, heads of agreement came out in March when they had the rioting and all that kind of exactly. thing. Exactly, and Hubert. So do you, do you saying the UDP was not? Uh, you know, because you would think that, uh, you know, I mean, some of the leaders would say, well, like Lindo and them would have said, okay, well, they weren't trying to piggyback on that, but they were, you were saying that they were in the background then, they didn't necessarily... Yeah, I mean, they, you know, I, I don't know, I can't tell you what was their reasoning, but I'm just telling you the facts. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, the agitation in the streets did not come from the loyal opposition. It came from the trade unions. Mm -hmm. They are the ones that shut down belief during the Heads of Agreement, yeah? yeah. No, you did, did you have UDP personalities in the streets with the trade unions? Yes, you did. But you never have any UDP leaders. Nobody come up and say, well, did, we're going to lead you, girl. Oh, shut down, Ray Shut. Yeah, okay, that's no, what no, you're saying. Yeah. No, this mm -hmm. was Odinga Lobomba. Odinga Lobomba, yes. If you mm -hmm. remember him, this yes. was Hubert Ellington, if you remember him, mm -hmm. and, and all these other um, little tillings. The woman from... Um, it, 
the one from um, technical students and from technical, yes, you know. And Socorro, Socorro, Socorro mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, this, this was a people's... Kenworth Tillett and all of them, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. UDP personalities, like I said, but as, as I was, because I was out there too, you know, rioting and shutting down things and, and <laughs> that sort of thing. But you were... I was there. I, oh, yes, I was there. You're a pacifist, man. What are you doing? <laughs> I... Listen to me. I the only time I've ever been arrested in 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 my life in Belize was in nine, that same 1980. Mm-hmm. After one of the um, public meetings we had at Courthouse Plaza for the campaign, mm-hmm. um, I remember now how the thing got riled up. But we were we were upset about something, and and, and I said like this: I said, and if and if you want to show you're upset, follow me. I will walk across the bridge to the police station right now. You follow me. And everybody walked behind me, and of course, as I got across the bridge, I was arrested for leading a procession without a permit. Oh, okay, <laughs> a lawful assembly, though. No? All right. Yeah, but anyway, but I, so let, let's jump start. Though getting, I want to answer this question about the, the, what made us lose in '79. Okay, all right. So I, I come now. So I run in '80, I lose. I, I run in '83. We all win. That's when Dean Barrow, Michael Young, and all of us, Hubert Elrington, we all came on board. We all win. We win the city council elections, mm-hmm. and one year later, now one year later, is the general elections of '84. Yes. No. I'm 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 going to deliberately skip out a piece because I, I I'm not here to, to cause any to to, to 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 arouse any any wounds of the past. So I will leave out I will leave out the conventions of of 1984. Remember now in '84. The, the constituencies split from, they went from 18 to 21. Mm-hmm. They, they, they added three seats, if I'm not, yeah, 21. They added three seats. Um, the Caribbean Shores was added. Um, uh, this was there, done because oh, the city was expanding. I mean, uh, it was a growing right. city. So. Queen, Square, Queen okay. Square was added and um, Lake Independence. Uh-huh. Those are the ones that, that were added. Anyway, I'm going to leave it again. Just know that when I came back and after, when I ran in 80, Collet, which is where Kentillit vacated, was my area. I grew up on Mahogany Street all my life. I knew the area. So Collet, Kentillit said, Derek, you are the fitness person to take over this division from me. And so Daisy Roberto, who was his stalwart supporter back then, Miss Daisy, is a, if there's ever a campaigner, you haven't met one of you meet Miss Daisy. The one just a lady on the Vernon Street, right? Exactly. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, I, know. I went to school I with did, some of her kids. Or, Miss Daisy yeah, walked that Square. division with me in mm-hmm. 80. She never gave up. And so, come 84 now, I am no longer in college. Uh, all I will say is that I am no longer in college. And I decide, no, I have, I'm in the city council because I won in 83, so I'm a member of the city council. Mm-hmm. But I had to make a decision. You know something? Guess what? I am not, I am not here to fight anybody in any party for any position. That's not what I am in politics for. I'm in politics to help my country. God tell me, Derek, this is where I want you to serve. You can help the people of Belize. That's what. So, but if I have to fight, if I have to fight from the inside to do that, I prefer to, 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 to walk because God is not a God of confusion. So I had quickly had to get to a point in 84 where I had said, okay, if this is what the powers want in the UDP, well, guess what? I just won't run. I, I'm not going to run in the general elections of 84. Because you don't want to run in college? Is that why? Or just... no, 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 because I wasn't... Because I wasn't... I, I, 
I mean, but brought that mindset. I mean, what you're, would you're, you're, you were? You you're, you're you're a rising star in this party. Everybody recognized you as you know at the time. I guess. Say, let's just say. Let's just say the party moved in a way that caused me not to have been able to run in college for the. 80s. So they were already colluding against you then. Uh, anyway, and let's, let, 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 let me move on. Let me move <laughs> okay, on. Right. No, no, I'm just saying because I don't want my inference. I can say that it sounds to me like they, they were they were already trying to stifle your star. Let's. I, I will. I will repeat. I will repeat. Let's just say things were done caused me not to be able to run in college, which was my constituency. Okay, fine. This is where I lived and grew mm. up. That's where I ran in eight, in eighty with. When Ken Judith left, this is the council of 80, that's where I campaigned in college. But okay. by 84, by 84, and again in 83, in 83 when we all won the city council, but by 84, when it's now time for the big, the big fight, the big arena, the big pie, mm-hmm. I, my slice of the pie was removed from in front of my plate where I sat at the table. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. Okay, so, so now you, you, okay, your slice of pie moves, so now... What were your decide, What were your alternatives that you faced with? I decided. Well, guess what? The the slice of pie that was always mine from I came back and got into this trouble, that pie that slice has been taken away from me. Well, guess what? I it's okay. I, I won't I won't fight for a slice of pie anywhere else. I, I mm-hmm. it, 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 it's all right. I, I will do without the pie. Mm-hmm. I, I will not get a serving of the pie, and that simply means well I won't run in the general elections of '84. And so that's when I met this lady who is now dead, who her son killed her, but she became an icon for me. And many Belizeans remember her, Sonia Fox, off of York Street. Mm-hmm. I remember getting, getting a call one night when Sonia said, how oh, you never did the college convention? Why you never did the college convention? And I just said, I said, Sonia, it's okay. I said, um, I, um, there's a reason I said, I, I, I am not going to fight. To, 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 to get a seat. I, so who did the college? Who who took over college? Because Ken Tillich well, wasn't there. Um, they, let me see. Hubert ended up in Lakai, and Dean Barra ended up in Queen Square. Two divisions that came out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there was no longer a college. Oh, there was no longer a college. There is a college. No, but I mean, back then. No, 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 there, no. There, no, there is no college. No, there has never been a college since then. Oh, since then. Okay, in, okay. In in eighty four. Collet ceased to exist, and oh, what came out of it was Queen Square and Lake Independence. Those well, are well I'm trying to figure because the, um, the the current guy, the education minister, isn't he from what division? Is he from? I thought he was. Wait, wait, why? Sorry, no, no, sorry. You're, you're, please, thank you for correcting me. No, no, you're, you're right. There is still there is the Collet remained. Thank you, thank you so much for for correcting me. Collet remained, but it shifted. This is what was confusing me. The traditional college was what is now Lake Eye. Mm-hmm. That, that prisoner creek area, mm-hmm. that St. Martin, the poorest area, that Mahogany Street extension area, that was traditional college. But with, this, with the changes in 84, that changed from college and that became Lake Independence, where Cordell Hyde won for all these, these years. Mm-hmm. That became Lake Independence. The other side of it, with a piece of the traditional Albert, became Queen Square. And then Collet became that portion um, like to the r- left of the symmetry, mm-hmm. but before Port Loyola. Yes. 
You understand? Mm-hmm. So you, you're. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's simply to where the um, Fabas Road there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Call it. Ceased to be where it used to have been all the years, and it shifted to another location. Anyway, to get back to the thing, the long story short, Sonia Fox insisted, because she was from Freedom. She says, well, they don't want to stop you from run. We want you to run. And we don't got nobody in the Freedom. And we need somebody to run the Freedom. Nobody want to run against George Price. Everybody got another division. Freedom don't got nobody for Everybody run. free for George Price. Exactly. He was in Pig Stuck, right? That was Pig Stucker. Free tongue got changed into free tongue. Okay, so he became free. He, became, he was a free tongue at the time. Okay, right. right. So they, they took off. They took off a piece of free tongue and made it Caribbean shores. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then the free tongue, just like how they picked stuff, just like how they call it, remained mm-hmm. free tongue remained. But then now it went all the way up the river to Lord's Bank Road. I mean, it became. It was known as as the head of the monster because it was this. The, it had a shape unlike any shape of any other constituency. Anyway, um, anyway, so. I listened to Sonia. I promised her I was going to think about it. To challenge George Price. Because that, that seemed to right. be the only option that was there. And, that, and that, at that point, that was the only remaining division that had nobody. If everybody else had gotten into a seat already, that was the only outstanding seat for which the UDP... And here, a young stopped. brother, 22, 23 years old. No, no, by, no by, by that time, I'm 24. By that time, I'm 24. <laughs> Okay. Still, you're so, relatively young. Considering, so, uh, I listened to Sonia. I thought about it, and people may not believe me, Hubert, but I, I, I lie not here. I went before. People again. People might think that ministry and my serving Christ are one new thing. Man, I, I have known this life from a child. I went before God and I said, Lord, I know what you told me when I was at college. In Miami, I know what you told me that you wanted me to do. I was studying medicine. When I left Belize from Sixth Form, I was a pre-med major. Mm-hmm. And one spring break, at the first spring break at school, I couldn't afford to go anywhere. I was on the lawn studying underneath my dorm window. And God said, Derek, I want you to change from medicine. And I want you to take up political sciences. And I want you to go back to Belize mm-hmm. and to get involved in politics. When I told my professors and my advisors after the spring break, they wanted to know what, if I was on some drug, Derek, you make a great doctor. Why are you doing this? What would you want to change? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, all I could say to them, my own family, my mother, you know what my mother said to me? I can't believe I'm sending you to school to become a, and I'll use the words, forgive me, she said, to, to let you become a trained jackass. <laughs> I can't believe that this is what you're doing after all the sacrifice you have made for you. You want to get into and go back to Belize because they didn't want me to come back to Belize. They had long migrated to the States. My sisters, mm-hmm. my brothers, mm-hmm. every, my sister and brothers, my mother, I thought everybody was in the States. And I was the last one to finish school in Belize, come and do my degree, and then go and join my family in New York. Mm-hmm. I am the only man that defied the trend of the family and did not go to New York after I finished college. I went back, back home. to Belize. Mm-hmm. And what did I do? and get into politics. And what did I end up doing? The run against George Price. My mother almost had a heart attack when she heard. He said, Derek, of all the people, look the who you know, you're crazy enough for going back to Belize. No, this is what you're going to do? You, oh, my family did not speak to me for two years, you know. Over that decision? years. Because they were sure that their son had gone crazy. And that's what they, well, going crazy was one thing, but defying them was another. 
Mm-hmm. You know, because this was breaking every plan that they had for me. Anyway, so the bottom line is, I I become a candidate, the mantle, I I I I I begin the campaign against George Price, and this is where the revelation now will come as to what happened in '79. Hubert, let me tell you, because of my political training, and this is where the, the theoretical knowledge of, of of the political science kicked in. When I got the voters list, when I first got the voters list for Freedom in November now, one month because the election was December 14th, you know, mm-hmm. I become the candidate the end of October, early November. So I only had like six weeks before the election. The first thing I knew I had to do was to make sure that I can account for every single name that's on that voters list in my division. Well, let me tell you, it didn't take 24 hours for me to begin to find the many people that were on my list, all of whom were PUPs, that did not live in Freetown. What? So they this lived, was, that was a corrupt lived, place? They lived in Pickstock. They lived in, in Fort George. They lived in PG. They, no, their names were at addresses, bona fide addresses mm-hmm. in Freetown, you know. But they didn't live at those addresses. Let me, I will give you an example, and I really don't want, I'm not going to call the name because I respect these people highly, but I want you to know that one of the things that first jumped out at me, that something was wrong with this list, is I, there are two prominent Belizeans that live on the barracks. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'll say, that live on the barracks. Now, if if anybody remembers the division in Freetown, between Freetown and Caribbean Shores, St. Thomas Street is one of the dividing streets. Where St. Thomas Street intersects with Princess Margaret Drive, mm-hmm. people who live to the if you're standing facing the sea, people who live to the right of Princess Margaret Drive, uh, to, to the right of St. Thomas Street on Princess Margaret Drive and, and beyond. Going towards them, what is not Princess Casino? That, that, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They fall in Caribbean Shores. Mm-hmm. The people who live to the left St. Thomas Street, going towards the racetrack, mm-hmm. and SJC, they live in Freetown. Okay. But, but Princess Margaret Drive itself is a boundary. Mm-hmm. If you live on the racetrack side of Princess Margaret Drive, that is Caribbean Shores. If you live on the BTL side of Princess Margaret Drive, so now, when I looked at the list for Princess Margaret Drive for Freetown Division, my voters list, I recognize two prominent Belizean citizens who are unapologetically PUPs, and, and they don't hide it, and they, it's, they don't have to hide it. Everyone has a right to be what they want to be. But I was able to look and see this Mr. and Mrs. who live on the barracks, but they are on Princess Margaret Drive on Freetown list as Freetown voters. So that was the first thing that, re- that made me think, Derek, there's more to this. And more I look, the more I look, the more I look, the more I look, the more I found. So that is how, if people will remember, that is how, I don't know how, well, I know how I won against George Price, yes, because mm-hmm. had I not done what I did, I would have lost. Well, I you're saying to, you made the connection with, you're saying you made the connection with 79, so you're saying that you, yes, you ostensibly, it, it you can simply, deduce that that was meant, that's what occurred. It meant I was convinced when I saw what they had done in Freetown that this is exactly what they did in 79. Because it, it, it doesn't take rocket science, you know. 
it does not take rocket. But if you're dealing with political aspirants and candidates who either don't have the insight, but what I have found, unfortunately, the big problem that I found, the majority of us are lazy. Mm-hmm. We expect everybody else to campaign for us and win the elections for us you know, as candidates. Mm-hmm. We want to do the very, very least, but we still want to win. We will delegate our work to everybody, pay them and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. But we will not do what we are required to do ourselves. Well, let me tell you, I'm just the opposite of that. I will have you work for me. Yes, I don't have a problem with that. And I will pay to work, but I will also oversee what you are doing to make sure that you are doing what you're supposed to do. I won't leave it up to you. Mm. So you don't have a campaign manager. You're not the chairman of the division. Sure. But you think I will sleep, close my eyes, and leave my victory to a campaign manager? You yeah. must be crazy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so long story short, within one week, within one week, I was able to come up with over 400 voters that were on the Freetown voters list, all of whom were PUPs, known PUPs, don't live in Freetown and therefore should not have been on that Freetown list. Well, what did I do? The first thing, and if Soli Arguez, who is alive and she's my dear friend, will allow me to call her name, what did I do first of all? Dean Barrow was the party's legal counsel at the time. So what did I do? I went to seek legal help from the legal counsel. Soli Arguez went with me at that time. Dean's office was in the Linda's office on Church Street. Mm-hmm. We went there the afternoon, and I, we got the appointment with Dean, and I said, hey, Dean, um, boy, I have a problem here. You know, we have all these names that are on this list that are not living in Freetown. They don't belong on this list. They should not be here. I need to know how. What do, how do I go about getting them off? No disrespect to the present prime minister, who I respect highly. He's a brilliant man. Mm-hmm. But his response to me was, at 23, not a legal nine. I had to go for help, 24, sorry. His response was, I don't have time for this idiosyncrasies. You need to go and solve that on your own. I don't have time for idiosyncrasies. So the legal counsel refused you help? Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So Soli and I looked at each other in shock, took the files. We picked, I took the evidence to show so you him. took it to Dean Burrow at the time, legal oh, counsel for UDP, and he refused, Patmat refused to help you in that, in that endeavor. Exactly. Okay. So we left the office, and I told Soli, well, Soli, I guess I'm on my own. But one thing I can tell you, I will not run in any election using a voter's list that I know six weeks before the day, has over 400 voters mm-hmm. on that list, all of whom are PUPs. And it, it included a lot of PDF soldiers at Price Marks too, let me tell you. Um, and, and knowing that I will lose because I can't win with a list that is stuck against me like this. Mm-hmm. So, I said, God, show me. I have no help here, Lord, but if, if you want me in this, you will cause me to overcome this giant because I'm going up against a giant. But God, if you want me in a politics, everybody will say, I waste my time. I don't want Lee boy. I'm almost crazy to think that I could ever be judged by But God, there's one person who believes that I can do it, and that's my wife. I had only been married in 83. I was only married one year. Mm-hmm. When I ran in 84, I had, only, I had just celebrated my first wedding anniversary, the 22nd of October. Mm-hmm. And Kim said, Cedric, 
if you, if this is what you believe God is telling you to do, I will stand with you. Now, keep in mind, you know, I am married to George Price's relative. Mm-hmm. Kim Aikman, that George Price relative, if you understand what I tell you, mm-hmm. Winston smiling with her uncle and all of them related to George Price. Okay, you, right, okay. you could imagine the hornet's nest where I open, you know. Mm-hmm. But my wife said, Derek, if, you, if this is what God is telling you to do, I will stand by you. Don't listen to who they tell you out there that you can't do that, that you're a loser. So, with God, all things are possible. And that's all I need, my wife's support. And so, I said, God, how I want to solve this problem? And he gave me the answer. He gave me the answer. I've gone to court. There was a date when you go to court to challenge the voters' list. You, you're allowed by law. Um, so you exercise that right. Exactly. So I went to court the day, and I filed a petition. God rest the dead right now. It was Judge Singh, the father of the same former minister of, of security and police, and now the guy that's at Bell Trade or whatever, Douglas and, and George Singh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Douglas and whatever. Anyway, he was the magistrate at the time. And I said to him, sir, I have these names on this list. They do not live in Freetown. They're on the Freetown list. Roy Young was the chief elections officer. Mm-hmm. Roy Young stood in court, and the judge asked him, you heard Mr. Aikman. He's saying these names are fraudulent. What do you say as the chief elections officer? I can swear to you, judge, that every name that's on that list, they live in Freetown. I am prepared to swear to you. So the judge turns to me. Mr. Aikman, you've heard the chief elections officer, but they never read it for me. They never read it for me. You know what I had done? You know what I had done? And, and, and this was that God showed me. I could not come out of this on my own. God said, Derek, you've been to the house. You know they don't live there. You have physically gone to these places. You've gone in a door up the river by the airport to know that they don't live in these houses on the riverbank. Mm-hmm. Mail a registered letter all of them at the addresses where they appear on the voters' list. And when the postman takes the letter, he has to have them sign to receive the letter. Mm-hmm. And they won't be there to sign. And he will have to put on the letter, person does not live at address. So they don't know that by the time I went to court, I already had the return registered mail for those 400 plus voters with the signature of the, poli- of the mailman on it mm-hmm. does not live at evidence. this address. Mm-hmm. So when the judge asked me, so you've heard the chief election officer, what are you going to do? I walked up to the judge and I took out of my bag bundles and bundles and bundles That's of proof. returned registered mail signed by the postman. These people do not live at this address. Well, let me tell you something. When Roy Young saw that, I'm ashamed to tell you, that man almost wanted to start to fist fight me in court, you know. <laughs> listen, listen to me. And I'm a, I was a small, skinny guy at that time. I Roy was a little, frail little piece, of, little piece of guy. This Roy Young, everybody knows him, is a tall man. Yeah, I know you. And when he left the witness stand and walked over to me saying he's going to punch me, I said, well, make the fight broke out right in here. And I square, I don't, I don't pretend to be nothing. I'm, and he's I trying to start a fight with I you right there in court? square away with my two hands to say, well, come, you lick me. And I direct up, will lick your back. The judge had to close the court, empty the courtroom, and brought Roy Young and myself in his chambers and told us, if you ever try that again in my court, I will throw both of you out of here. And I will dismiss the case. Mm-hmm. We both apologized. The truth be told, we both apologized. We shook hands, and we agreed we went back in court. And we both t- 
told the judge, you will both subject yourself to my decision after I hear this case and I see the evidence. What I say will be the law. He looked at every one of those returned registered <coughs> natives that said they don't live here. And he gave Roy Young one week, one week as the chief elections officer to bring the people to court to testify that the writing on the letter by the postman is fraudulent and that indeed they do live at these addresses, bring light bill, water bill, bring whatever they can prove that they live there. <coughs> when the one week was up, guess who was a no-show in court? So you were there by yourself again. Guess who was a no-show in court? Roy Young. Mm-hmm. He couldn't come because the people never, he couldn't prove that they, that they never lived there. And what did the judge do? God rest his soul. You hear? Now, by this time, you know, the pupils have sent Lois Young. They have sent Glenn Godfrey. They have sent Derek Courtney. They have sent Godfrey Smith. Look here, man. You would have thought this was the Guatemalan crisis that was being dealt with. You would have never think, I mean, one constituency that was being challenged, the voters for constituency. I mean, the pupils brought out their top brass. And guess who was there by himself against all these pupil lawyers? Derek Edwin Leopold Eatman, age 24. You hear what I'm telling you? So you're not in alone against the whole not a legal, Not a legal training under my belt. No help from, from the UDP, just you alone. Exactly. You know who came... You my know name is Philip Goldson. I mean, he's a lawyer. I mean. Wait, wait a minute. You're preempting me. You know who came on the day of the final judgment? When the lawyer, when the magistrate is not going to give his ruling in this in this matter, Philip W. Stanley Wilberforce Colson, he came to court that morning to hear the results and sat with me, and I'm here to tell you, my brother, that magistrate in the face of Roy Young, Lois Young, and and and, and Godfrey Smith, Derek Courtney. Um, um, Glenn Godfrey, all of the QP top brass attorneys said to them, convinced that all these names are fraudulently on the voters list in Freetown, and I am hereby today ordering the striking off of each of these 400 plus names. Do you know that the night, the eve of the election, when the voters' list for the election morning was put out, guess what was on the voters' list? 300 names from people in Port Loyola huh. on my free tongue list. I had to go to the magistrate's house, walk him up out of, and I have witnesses that can tell I'm applying you. We had to go and get him. He lived on, on, on Cran or... So you had to go back to him again because you had two more names this, that were there. This is the night. This is the night. This is the eve now of the elections. You know, these are like 11 o'clock the night. Polls are open 7 o'clock the morning. The man was in his pajamas in his bed. I said to him, Mr. Singh, I'm in trouble. I said, they took off the names that you ordered in court here, but this list that will be used in six hours from now, I can all these clear names here. We went through to the fine tooth comb. Uh-huh. These people are not in Freetown, sir. They live in Port Loyola. But they are on the Freetown list to vote in the next six hours. And that man, because all he had at that time was my word. I never have no letter returned, and there was no time for that. We had just gotten the list that evening. Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. And my team sat down with ruler and pen and went through every single name. That's how we found the names from Port Laiola on the list. And God, thank you for him. You know what that man said? He called Roy Young and said to him, 300 and odd names, Mr. Young, that Mr. Aikman, he is at my house right now with the list. I am seeing the name. I am telling you, I am ordering you as the chief elections officer, if you do not produce by 7 o'clock when the polls open tomorrow morning a list for Freetown void of these names that Mr. Aikman has identified live in Port Ayola, I will order that the voting in Freetown will not start. It will not proceed until you produce the bona fide correct list. Now, he was stepping out on a limb because, like I said, he was just, but I think because he knew the diligence and the thoroughness of what brought me to court in the first place on which he had to take off the 400 names, mm-hmm. he must have known that that same diligence had gone into discovering these other names now on the eve of the election on the list. Well, let me tell you, how they did it, well, how they, they knew to do it because they knew damn well what needed to come out. And so 6 o'clock that morning, one hour before the polls opened, a list for freedom was produced that was free of the list of the names, 300 and odd from Port Laiola, all of whom were PUPs. So a, a list that you, was, you felt comfortable with was exactly. produced. Exactly. I was satisfied now that I had the clean list that my workers had worked night and day to purge out of that division. So what was there? I could account for every person on that list. Some of them were in PG working. Some of them were in San Pedro, but I knew every, I knew where every one of them was. You were confident, okay. And I had a system. Anybody can tell you. I had a system. <laughs> we knew because of the system that I had devised. We, I could tell you as we went through that day, I could tell you exactly where we stood in that election. I had a system at each of the police, and my wife was in charge of, of, of this aspect of the operation. I could tell you, by 10 o'clock, 600 people done the vote that, it, that all the police in, in Freetown. Out of that 600, 200 are PUP, 200 are UDP, and the next 200, I have them undecided because I couldn't tell who they were based on our polling. Mm-hmm. I could tell you that as we went through the entirety. So when the polls closed at 6 o'clock, and only my wife can read at it because the campaigners didn't understand what was going on. My wife came to tell me, said, Derek, if the people told you the truth, if your pledges are correct, you have defeated George Price today. Just based on, said, that, just on the polling that you have done. This exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's like an exit poll that mm-hmm. I have devised. Mm-hmm. And all I said to my wife, I said, darling, it's only going to be a matter of time, mm-hmm. and we will know. And the rest is history. I went to Belize Technical College to witness the count. They had brought the boxes from, from Ladyville, from Price Barracks. They had brought it from All Saints. They had brought it, well, Technical was a polling station. Mm-hmm. And so the counting, well, what they do, they separate, as you know, they separate all the blue votes from the red votes and all mm-hmm. the white votes. And box by box by box, as they separated the stocks, I could tell that my stocks were way past that of Mr. Price. 
So even before they began to do the actual tallying on actually to numerically tabulate the votes, I knew by the time they got to the last box, I knew that if every vote in that hundred and something box went to Mr. Price, I had still won that election. So I didn't wait for the final count to end. When, before they started to count the last box, and I knew the lead was sufficient that if he got every vote in that box, I would still win. I left the police and I ran out of there and I scaled that sense of technical. Zone. You the I didn't know there was. I didn't know that there was a gate. It was dark and there was an iron gate. I didn't realize. You jumped when, the I got, <laughs> when I got right up to it, God gave me wings and lifted me over that iron fence, you, and I landed on my foot in the crowd across there. And we look at, and that's when the celebration started. Your euphoria jumped. Your euphoria took you over the fence. Exactly. And, but I want people to understand this last bit. Do you know? Do you know how much I beat George Price by in that election? Three hundred and six votes. So the same, the same votes. The same number of votes uh-huh. that they had added at the last minute from Port Loyola. That's the same, and that they, that the magistrate ordered for them to take off in the 11th hour, had I not discovered those votes at the, at the eve of the election on that voters list, George Price would have remained undefeated. So you're using that same analogy there, Derek, I am to surmise that 79... In that 70, because, 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 because Hubert and the rest of this nation that we call Belize. Another thing that I will champion in this... So you say voter fraud was very prevalent then? It, it doesn't take rocket science to rig an election. You hear? Mm-hmm. Once you know you have 1,000 people in this constituency, of this 1,000, 500 are known UDP stalwarts. Mm-hmm. The other 500 are known PUP stalwarts. Mm-hmm. This is not rocket science. So now we want party A or party B to win. Whoever the, or- the orchestrators of the fraud are, whoever has caused them to commit the fraud, know that if I'm going to, f- to commit fraud for party A, then all I need to do is take 100 votes, 200 votes, however many I am skilled to transfer, and I simply have to add those names to that voters list the night before the election because the average candidate so tired if they work, they got so much thing to think about. The last thing on their mind is, is a voter list. Voters list. Uh-huh. You understand? But when the polls open and the voting starts, it's too late. It is too late. The hundred or twenty people where I put on the list fraudulently for support party X or party Y, people will come to vote. Uh-huh. But so, and, but Derek, let me ask you: those people could be voting double two or no? Because if you come from Let's say you come from Pickstock or Freetown, wherever area you come from, to come vote there. How? Well, you don't, you don't have to vote the double. No, I'm not, I, have been, I have witnessed cases where they do double vote. But in, in, in the strategy that they use, you see, you don't have to double vote because what you're sitting, you, you are the master controller in elections and boundaries, you know. Mm-hmm. So you, they watch. So you can, manipulate watch. An, you can manipulate an election if you're the election of Bongo Commission guy. You can it's literally it's manipulate an election. It, it's like you are the master chess, chess master. Mm-hmm. You sit down and you have a whole nation's voters list database at your disposal. 
And it's just like moving men on a checkered board. Listen to me. PUP got, PUP and Wind and Greeter by a thousand votes. We will know that. That's just how that constituency is. It's heavily PUP, and these are the people that will tip it for the PUP. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, but we have a PUP seat or a UDP seat. I don't want to make something. I don't know if you, I, I, I'm back in that. UDP time when I was against the people. Right now, I know they're on no side. So I, I, I want to Refresh. consciously mm-hmm. inter- interchange my, my examples here. It could be UDP or, 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 or PUP. Um, but I know that the party I want to help is in trouble in Fort George against Said Musa. Person Said and beat him by 300 votes. So what do I do? I will move 300 votes from Dan Griga. And it, now the party machine will have to make this work. You know, election day, they will have to move those people from Danbriga to Kujar to come vote. Mm-hmm. But then that, the party will take care of that. I am simply facilitating the party by making sure they're They will take care of the logistics, but exactly. the, name, the name and thing will be there. So, so, so you, you, you were. Even the, the, the collective outcome of the election is not a guessing game. The people, election boundaries, or anybody who elections are bombed allow access to their database. Because you don't have to be that the, it's the employees of election. Well, it's just public records, Derek, because, I mean, let's say right now I look, they had a, over 186,000 registered voters right now as we speak, yes. give or take. Isn't that a public, I mean, it's that's a, not a it's private. A, it's a, no, you know, you're correct. It's a public document, but John Public can't change it. I, I, you, I mean, you've got the power to change that list, but who... They work the system the night before the election if they manipulate the database and, and manipulate what is printed to be used in the election um, polling station that day. Then, without you know it, that list will come out that morning one day or two days ago. wasn't the same list that was the public document. So is, it safe to say that, is it safe to say then that the ruling party, the ruling the party in power has the ability Oh, and we're it all to manipulate the list, period. Oh, well, obviously, they will, they will be the ones with, 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 with the ability. So you, if you are the opposition, you have to be on your P's and Q's. And ah, if you are the opposition, you have got to be 100% more vigilant than if you do the work, need do the wrong work. Like, mm-hmm. like I was, like mm-hmm. I was. Mm-hmm. If I did not, if I was not obsessed with knowing that whatever happened would have worked. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened in 79 that I witnessed, I was in Belize to see a nation collapse because clearly what they thought they were going to do, what they thought the outcome was going to be in 79, turned out not to be the outcome because somebody manipulated the system before their very eyes and they were so blind they didn't see. So they had to accept a defeat and suffer for five more years. Mm-hmm. And so, but I was determined, Hubert. I was determined. Lord, whatever took place in '79, reveal it to me, because I will not sit by and allow that same thing. To, if I'm going to lose, it will have to be on equal, fair footing, not through any disadvantage, because I wasn't smart enough to pick up what it is they are going to do. And I, I thank the good Lord for giving me the insight to to immediately spot. Their, their corruption. Mm-hmm. Yeah? They were going to make George Price lose if it cost them their dignity. If it cost them their... They were not going to make George Price lose. And you know what, too? I hate to say it. With all his 
his reverence and everything. Power also meant a lot to him. And he felt that the mood was changing in Belize. He knew people didn't support independence in 81. He saw the riots of, 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 of the heads of agreement. He knew his power was slipping. But the party could go down, but not George Price. He was never to go down. And, and his minions like Roy Young and stuff, they were there to do the bidding, the bidding of the, of the mafia, of the PUP mafia. You see, they were there to go to court and lie under oath that the list was correct when they knew it was fraudulent. You understand? Mm-hmm. So, all right, let me let me ask you this, Eric. Yes. I understand. You know, you you, you know, your, your vigilance was very, very, very uh, powerful in in terms of exposing voter fraud. So, you you know, that was one of the main reasons why you won because you know you were able to expose the voter fraud, coupled with the mood of the country and everything, and you know the fact yeah. that people probably wanted a change. And exactly. in matter they could have you know that George Price was the candidate. They just wanted a change. No question. No, okay. Now you're in power now. Okay, and I know we don't have a lot of time. I want to bring you on again, man, because your history is just too powerful. We said this would happen, you know. And Hubert, I asked you, you know, I pleaded you, chop me. No, no, man, no, I didn't stop you. Make sure I didn't stop you, Derek, because I want you to... When I get started... No, 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 I never want to stop you, man. I tell you, chop me, you know. No, no, I never want to stop you because I want people to understand. Because, see, you know, like I said, when fish come from Baton really, you know the story, you know, I don't know the story, but yeah, I want people to listen, because a lot of people don't hear this story, you know. These are like the first time. I know. I want my listeners to understand that we're talking to a man who was in the belly of the beast, who was telling you firsthand. So I want, I let you make a talk about it, because it's important that we understand how Okay. How, how electoral politics, electoral before, politics going believe? Hubert, a lot of people are ignorant to that. Hubert, there's one thing I'm, I, I remember now that I have not mentioned, before, and we will we will leave this, we will leave this for another show. But I am begging you to. I, I didn't think I would find myself. I'm begging you to bring me back on, but Hubert, this is so critical because this is another thing I fought and I've been fighting from within. But they have refused to, to, to address it, knowing that I am correct, knowing that I have the proof of this. Both sides have done it. The Belizeans must understand, as horrible as this truth will be to all of you, for those, for those who know, you know. Inconvenient truth, if you will. Huh? Mm-hmm. That those in high political places know that what I'm going to tell you now is the truth but it's to their advantage to keep the country ignorant to it. Country and Belize and the Belize. And this is why this whole voting thing for the, 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 the Belizeans abroad is so dear to me, you know, and I will champion it together with you. And that's another thing, that, that, Derek, that's on need another so, show. That's on need another show because we have to go that in debt. We never Belizeans, get in people, we have to go in debt with that because that's the must. I know, but um, Hubert, Belizeans must understand that their vote in Belize is not private. Let me repeat. Let me repeat this. You hear? Because I'm going to awake some ghosts. I'm going to awake some ghosts here, both so you, well, in the UP well, and the UDP and in the elections on Bungus Commission. But mm-hmm. I, I want to, I want everybody to understand. I am prepared to back up my comment that I'm telling you. The vote in Belize is not secret. The political parties can tell if they apply a simple strategy, a strategy that I have applied. Mm-hmm. So I know that it works. And the only way I found out is because I witnessed it in the polling state, in the compensation. 
So they can wait, 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 Derek. You were telling me that if I go vote, they, they, in a secret, they could tell who I vote for. No man. Let me try Please it. In let me try it. Let me try it. I want to try it in a Creole and in a Spanish. I can't talk Arifuna. <laughs> Give me the Creole version. <laughs> Listen to all of me. All of with coffee. I had a coffee with a all coffee. I had to tell you no. Whether you go vote or no vote, no secret. They can, they could tell how you no vote. That's a Creole version. Mm-hmm. I want to try my Spanish. Personas, hombres y señoras. Cuando ustedes va para votar en la día de elección, tu votar no está privado. Las partidos políticas pueden aprender cómo ustedes voten. Okay? Now, that might have been the worst grammatical Spanish ever, but hopefully you understand it. <laughs> you get the gist, yeah. I will, I will try it again one more time in English. When you go to vote in Belize, whether it's a city council or a general election, there is a way to tell how every voter votes. No. I will issue this now because I will back up my statement. I'm not going to make no idle statement here. I am prepared if you allow me, but wait, I need one TV for this, man. But if you would allow me, I am, I'm challenging you, invite a representative from the Elections and Boundaries. In fact, invite the chairman of the Elections and Boundaries. Bring the whole Elections and Boundaries votes. Bring representatives from the PUP. Bring representatives from the UDP. Bring them all on a forum and let us do a mock election, a mock voting, just a mock voting procedure. Mm-hmm. Just the very same way it is done on election day. And I will, I will do a run for you. I want to get, we are say candidate X, candidate Y, the run, and we are get 25 people supposedly cast their votes in secret just like what they do on I election day in the East. And I will tell you before you open the ballot box to count those, open those 25 votes, I will tell you exactly how, who won the election and how many votes each one got. I will tell you. What's the, what's the mechanism? What's the formula? What, I mean, what, what, how do you go about Explain to us how you, how you know that. You were. <laughs> Every ballot, you see, the ballot book is like a raffle book. It is numbered. The ballots are numbered. So they, let's say you start with a ballot book in, a, in any polling station with 001 to 100. You have 100 ballots in this book. Mm-hmm. So the voter, so the polls, the polls open. And the presiding officer has a representative for the, each political party in the election is sitting at that same table with him when he's checking the voter's name off the voter's list. He has to call out the person's name once he's satisfied that the ID is in order. And when he's in order, he will say, let's say I come in to vote. I'm the first person to walk in the vote in this place where they're using now the first ticket from the ballot book. <coughs> he will say, Derek Edwin Leopold Aikman, mile 13, Marlboro Road. Da, 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 Everybody looks at their list. They find my name on their list. They mark off with a ruler, but my name, my name is in numerical order on the voters' list. So I have eight fans, so I'll be maybe on page one. So I may be 
voter number one on the list or voter number three or voter five, whatever. I will have a number. So you rule my name through, and you know that my I am voter number three. Okay? So you keep a record. You, the political representative, you keep a record. Derek Aikman is the first one to vote. He is voter number three. And because he is the first one in the room, they are tearing out 001 ballot paper because the ballots are numbered. That's the danger. They are numbered. And so everybody in that polling station, the presiding officer plus the political world. Well, don't they have two, two people overseeing that? I mean, I mean... Wait, man. Hubert, allow me to finish, man. Okay. You want to find out. Listen carefully, man. So... Everybody in that polling station, the presiding officer, as well as the two representatives from the political parties, know that Derek Aikman, who is number three on the voters' list, he got ballot paper 001. Mm-hmm. It's not, they're not, again, not a rocket science. Then they tear the paper out numerically out of the ballot book. We know that the ballot book, the 001 to 100, when they start with, Derek Aikman, that the first one will come in. So he gets 001. Mm-hmm. So we know Derek Aikman get ballot 001. Hubert Pipersburg comes in as voter number two. Mm-hmm. Hubert Pipersburg, maybe I'm going to be prophetic here. You will probably be voting once we are finished with this, because we won't stop until you get the right to vote from LA. Hubert Pipersburg, whatever street in Los Angeles, California, mm-hmm. um, yes, I said, okay, yes, he gets the ballot paper. No, we know Hubert Pipersburg was the second one to come in. Hubert Piper's got zero, zero, 002. Mm. That's his ballot numbers. Yeah. Zero, zero, two. Mm-hmm. And so the thing goes on. So let's we have closed election right at ballot paper zero at ballot paper one hundred. Mm-hmm. Okay? We've done the election right. Only one hundred votes were cast in this election. Election done. Now before they begin to count the votes, before they open the ballot box, the presiding officer who is representing the government and the election and boundaries person, that's their legal person there, the PUP agent and the UDP agent. We're going to leave out all the other parties right now. UDP and PP, they all have a record before you even open the ballot box. They all have a record as to which name, which name got which ballot number. Mm-hmm. They know Derek Aikman got 1001. They know Hubert Piper's one got zero zero two. Where does that number appear? Where does the ballot number appear on the ballot? It appears behind the ballot where the presiding officer has to sign his initial. If, if any ballot is open that night and the presiding officer's signature is not in the box where the ballot number is, that ballot is a spoiled ballot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even the presiding officer who is signing the ballot number before he gives it to the voter to vote knows before I get the thing, he knows I am handing Derek Edwin Leopold Aikman ballot number 001 because I have just signed my initial on it and everybody here in this room heard out loud when I called and said, this is the voter that's in the station right now, everybody agrees that this is Derek Aikman, and agree that he is legitimately on this mm-hmm. list, okay, here he gets his ballot, zero, zero, 001. So it's no secret. Yeah, the it's highly possible. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, so no. When 
No. So, but it, 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 is, it is a process where the first half of the information comes out of the voting station. The other half now will come out. The real revelation now will come in the counting station the night. When they are counting the votes, Hubert and Belizeans, the, 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 the returning officer who is presiding over that particular constituency by the law says he must, he must call out how the voter voted first. Then he has got to turn the ballot backside to the people observing the counting so that they can witness that there is a signature on the ballot where the number is because if there is no signature, that vote is spoiled. So everybody has to see the back of that ballot. And the rest is history. Mm-hmm. So that night, as they turned the ballot paper around to show me the ballot number with the signature, I, and they will say, okay, so, 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 so they'll open the ballot. This is a vote for Derek Aikman. Okay? He will call it out. He, it's facing him, but then he turns it around and shows the back people so they can see that it is signed. And all they have to do, all they have to do, they know that that was a vote for Derek Aikman. And when they look at the number of the ballot, on the back of the ballot, and they simply record that number, so they know. Okay, let, let's say when they turn the paper around, the, the number of the paper is 050. It was the 50th ticket out of the ballot book. All somebody has to do inside the counting station is record. Every time they turn the ballot, they have to record. Okay, 050 was a vote to PUP. 061 was a vote for the UDP. Mm-hmm. 001 was a vote, was a spoiled vote. And 091 was a PUP vote. And write down the line. So they, they write down the, the way the, the number on the ballot okay. voted. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, and it's, it's, all that they have to do now when they have all that data is to go into a private room where nobody is sitting nonsense and tell the agent that was in the polling station when the ballots were issued in the first place, mm-hmm. okay, show me your list now of which voter got which ballot number. And when they look at, when they say, well, who may get 001? That was a PUP ballot. Oh, that made Derek Aikman get that. Then you know how Derek Aikman voted? Mm, wow. When they say, mm. who may get 002, that was a PUP ballot. Oh, 002, that was given to Hubert Kuypersberg. Mm-hmm. So we know how Hubert voted. And they just go right down that exercise. And wow. by the time the voting is over, you can know exactly which ballot number voted which way and who got that ballot number. Hmm. And Hubert, I have, I have gone to my own and I have told them, I, will not, I am not comfortable knowing somebody's vote because that defies the entire democracy that we claim that we live on. So I... I am on the radio. You know who has tried to, to expose it along with me? And we have gotten a blind turn every time is Sandra Coy. The record is there to tell you we have, been, uh, we have called in to try to get this out to the light. But the forces have blocked us every time. So it's safe to say that the voter, it's okay, it's safe to say that the voter, voter lists are the voting, exercising one franchise then in Belize is highly compromised 
I don't want to say corrupt, but highly compromised to the point where it can be corrupt. Well, Hubert, even as I take this pastoral walk, one of the things God has told me that I will have to do, and again, that will probably have to be another show for another well, Before we get to Eric, let me ask you this. We could do this part one. We could do part two next week if you're available. Yeah. That, that, that's fine. That, that's fine. Let's do a part I'll, two with you next Sunday. Then. How about I'll, that? I'll be available. But you, I, I, I will choose to take the high ground and use the term that the voting is compromised. I Compromise to me means something that happened, but I wasn't aware of it, or, or maybe I wasn't aware of it, and so I allowed it to happen. But after you know that what you may call compromise, you know that you're consciously doing it. So it's no longer a compromise. You, you are doing it deliberately. You refuse, you refuse to stop the compromise. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. to me, in my humble opinion, that changes from compromise to corruption. You understand? Because you mm-hmm. can't call it compromise anymore because you are willfully, you're aware willingly, of it. Mm-hmm. You're willfully, you are causing a practice to perpetuate itself, and you're lying to people out there. You're defending people out there whenever I and Sandra Corey have brought it up, that, oh, we're crazy, we don't know what to say, the vote is secret, but we never prove to the people how it's secret, you know. You just give it lip service. And we are saying, let us show them how it is not secret. Put us on TV. Let us demonstrate what I have just articulated by mouth to you. You know, but there's, there is something with the visual process that helps people to grasp things better, you see. So it's the visual... Pro- anyway, so all, all I'm saying is that I am prepared to call on the elections and boundaries, to take on the PUP, the UD, anybody who dare to defend that the vote is secret. I am prepared to take them on with the greatest of respect and cordiality and friendship and everything, just to show the world and Belizeans foremost that it is untrue that your vote is secret in Belize. And the truth of it is the powers have known it. They have known it, but because they want to use it for their own political victimization and for their own marginalization of people who do not support them, and I'm speaking to both parties here, they, it is convenient for them to not stop the way to discover how people vote because that is how they know who they want to give scholarship to. That is how they want and who they're going to give land to because they know, mm. oh, I could tell you, I'm a vote for Mr. So-and-so, I'm a vote for Minister, I'm a vote for They do. So the if whole list of If that... you are lying, the minister knows damn well if you may vote for or not. He knows. So when it... you're not getting that scholarship or when you're not getting that piece of land or when you get... <laughs> Oh, let me just say this. Um, you know it, you, what you what you what you were touching on, and people should not doubt you because you were part and parcel of the process. We did talk about somebody anyway. Live it, do it was in there. So, no, this is not no obscure individual I'm discussing. This is this is a gentleman that was part. And Hubert, if they want to doubt, I have just very clearly articulate exactly how, how it is done. Mm-hmm. All right? So there's no secret. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, anyway, but go ahead. Go ahead, yeah. You know, I, you know, Derek, here's the thing. You know, I, I mean, I, I had so much things I want to talk to you about, but I said I'll let you talk because I need people to understand, you know, mm-hmm. where we, you know, you know, how, you know, your political journey and how politics, the electoral process work in Belize. So what I'm going to do is this. 
We don't have a lot of time. We have like maybe two, or like five minutes left or so. <laughs> okay, what I sure. want to do, time, I want you, to, I want to tell my listeners that next week we're gonna do a part two and use where we really get into when you were actually in office and some of the things yeah. that you know. Sure. You get into that because we didn't get into all of your your, your position in the diaspora, voting and all that kind of thing. Cause we're gonna do that next week. You know, God spirit, God willing, because yeah. he's gonna he's gonna come on again. Because for the among the information that you know, brother, it's one show I knew wasn't going to do it, especially if I let you expand, you know, on all these things, which I wanted you to do. You work, we need more than two shows, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, we, if, we take more, if we have to do three, we'll do, brother, because I need, we, we need to educate the Belizean public. I'm sorry. That's just the way, the way it is. They need to be educated. Okay? Can I just, can I just be allowed, then, if we only have a couple of things, there are a couple things I just want to make sure I see about okay, okay. we, we sign mm-hmm. off. Hubert, what I want to say is that, a lot has happened, and I don't want to come across as no spotless creature here at all at all. I have made mistakes. I have done things that if I had a chance, I, I, so don't, I don't want anybody to think that I am here trying to pretend to be no righteous, holier than no person. Mm-hmm. The last thing from the truth. What I do want to say now is this, though. There, were lots, there are lots of things that were done to me by my very own UDP folks mm-hmm. that and we will get a chance to talk about that, that drove me into a state of bitterness, of hurt, of anger, of, I mean, how could people, I mean, you expect the PUPs to do you in. I, I, that, 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 that's the nature that of the That comes the territory, yes, yeah. but not your own party, man. But, but what I want to say is, as I sit here today, I can honestly tell you that God has moved me for a from a place of unforgiveness and bitterness towards my own, mm-hmm. where I can honestly say that whatever misfortune was was made to befall me, mm-hmm. and there was a, quite a bit, I can truly and honestly say that on this is it today's the tenth, the tenth mm-hmm. of the tenth of, of, of August, is it? Yes. Or the, oh wait, the ninth. I can honestly the ninth. I can honestly say on this ninth day of August. 2014, in my, on my, in my 54 year of life, God has been merciful to bring me to a point, and it's only because he has brought me to this point that I can even embrace ministry, because I have been able, I, I am able now to look travel, and it has been a terrible path, it's been a rough path. I don't regret it. If if this is what if if the path ahead is going to be just like this one, well, so be it. I can't change what the good Lord has already predestined. But I want to say to everybody out there that mm-hmm. those who I considered political foes and and so of the past, I have no more foes. I can no no. They may be foes with me, but I am no foe of them anymore. I God has run to a place. Where and and it's the simple the simple part of it is is that Derek, you could stop hating and you could stop being angry, and you could stop, you know, lamenting, because I caused it all to happen. Mm-hmm. You take you, full, full responsibility. You you this before you may burn. I may not know there that the things you may you may have to go through. So if you continue to be bitter about what was done to you, then you will never get the peace because 
and you can let it go, let it go, because even though A may have done it, B may have done it, C may have done it, they were simply pawns in my workplace, in my workshop that I used to fulfill the destiny that I had predestined for you. So, so put aside any anger anymore, because if anybody you are blame, blame me. You can't blame them. They, they had no control. They did what they because I made. They they were simply carrying out my instructions. Mm-hmm. And Hubert, I invite everybody to explore and experiment with that place in your personal lives with with the God that that you believe in and and and, and you serve. Because forgiving is hard. Mm-hmm. And don't think that I've mastered the art of forgiveness either. It is it is hard. Some depending on the nature of the of the deed, man, it is tough. Mm-hmm. But if, whenever I am able to get to a point to accept, Derek, yes, I know it's hard. You, you can't believe that that person do it. But remember now, you know, I caused it to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Either my plan for your life, this was part of the plan. This person betraying you was a part of the plan that I predestined. So, okay, so you're bitter with them, but get over it because... If anything, you have to put the bitterness to me, not them. Mm-hmm. And Hubert, know that I am able to become more and more comfortable and to understand that that is the way each of our lives is shaped. It is shaped by a God predestining us. We have no control. Say how whenever we had no control who our parents would be. We had no control who our brothers and sisters would be. We don't, no, don't get me wrong, there are things that we can make choices, and we do make wrong choices, and that's a whole different discussion. Mm-hmm. But there are certain fundamental courses in our lives that no matter if we had tried everything differently, the end result would have been the same because that's the path that God had predestined for us. Mm-hmm. I hate to put this out, Derek, but listen, so, we I have... just want to thank, I want to thank everybody, Hubert, my brother, I want to thank you, mm-hmm. and I want for those detractors out there who will probably interpret my passion and my the passion with which I speak. It, it, it that is all that it is, you know. It's passion. Mm. It's nothing more. It's not mm. arrogance. It's not. Well, you'll be on next week again. So they'll, yes. uh, you know, you commit yourself to next week, same time, right? Same, same time, same time, same time, Good. same time. Same time. So I want my listeners to know that you'll be on out there. So don't worry, there. No, you're not going to say anything right now. So I'll be on again next week. We're going to bring you on again next week. So my okay. people, just Derek will be with us again, and we're going to talk about these things. We're going to go even deeper with some of the – we were just – you should write a book anyway. But my, I, want, <laughs> I want people to know that we were ta- you were listening to Honorable Derek Eichmann, former Minister of Government in, you know, in Belize, and he was passionately sharing his viewpoints on electoral politics and his journey in life. Um, next week, God, God willing, we'll bring him on again and we'll get some more information. I want to thank you, Derek. Uh, do the right thing out there. Brother Derek, thank you very much. It was an honor and a pleasure, my brother. It really was. Thank you, you all for week, listening. Uh, bye-bye. All right.